Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She served me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
when it comes to monsters in human form, are you a nature or nurture believer when it comes to such things? Or a mixture of both, but that's kind of a cop-out, isn't it? I think we all agree it's some mixture of both. But what do you believe? Are you born bad? Are you made bad? Are you somebody right down the line and then a little nature can push you this way or a little nurture can push you that way? I ask these questions about historical figures. I ask these questions about myself. I ask these questions about cops and criminals. I've told you this before. I'll repeat it again. Cops are a different breed. As you know, I'm a big fan. Big fan. As much as I actually dislike so many of the laws and I dislike, you know, obviously there are bad cops out there, but I'm just I'm just a cop fan because I know what it's like to walk through the muck of society and then get judged for how you do it. It just sucks. But a cop will tell you in private, I've had more than one tell me this in private, if you find a cop with a specialty in something, there is a very good chance that cop has some kind of an inclination towards that, has chosen to go the other direction, maybe battle against it, but his fascination with it makes him better at stopping it. More than one auto theft cop out there boosted one when he was a kid. It's true. I had a personal dealing with a long-time, long-time narcotics cop from a major U.S. city you would know. That's all I'm going to say about that. He was nearing retirement. Relatively young guy, I think he was in his 40s, nearing retirement, had been a narcotics cop forever. And think about what a narcotics cop had seen in a big city. My goodness, think about the life he's lived. And we were just sitting down, gabbing. And I asked him, what you know, what are you going to do? That's a long, what are you going to do with retirement? He said, oh gosh, I'm going to fish and smoke weed all day. It's different, right? Different way of thinking. If I were to ask you to name, as far as leaders go, a historical monster outside of the 20th century, you know, because otherwise everybody would be, oh, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, everybody wouldn't do that, understandably. If I were to name you a monster, I wouldn't have to wait very long before you got to the name of Caligula. Even if you're not aware of his story, which I'm about to elaborate on briefly, you would know the name, right? And what does the name conjure up? In your mind, the second I said it, you probably even recoiled a little bit, if not inside. Oh, oh gosh, I heard about his horse. Eek. Sister, torture, murder. Shoot, I'm pretty sure some pornography company made a movie about him or something like that. It was that bad. And by all accounts, the guy was 
a monster. But back to the nature-nurture thing, can you excuse it? Does it count as an excuse if you try to explain it, if you try to psychologize it? There's no getting around the things he did. I'll elaborate on a few as much as possible this morning, even though it's a family show. It's a nationally syndicated family show that I try to make sure kids don't have to turn off, Chris. So you got to be real delicate when it comes to Caligula. And don't worry, I will. As delicate as possible. How much can you excuse? You see, this is the era Caligula was born in. Let us begin was Caesar Augustus. That is not Julius Caesar. You need to think about the Pax Romana. You've probably heard of the Pax Romana. You probably have no idea what it is. It was a 200-year period of time that was praised as being a relatively peaceful era in Rome, which is hilarious because it's that era, that air fingers quote, peaceful era in Rome, saw the height of Roman territorial power. That's weird. It's peaceful, but we keep gaining all this land. (laughs) It wasn't really that peaceful. But Augustus was one of the first to be declared after his death a god king, a god emperor. Understand this about Caesar Augustus. This is after Julius Caesar. And what did Julius Caesar do on top of being my favorite person in history probably? He virtually ended the Roman Republic, the Roman Republican form of government, meaning a a Rome that was ruled by senators. Prior to Julius Caesar, yes, they had two consuls. Those were kind of the two presidents. They shared it, but it was very much a Senate-ruled society, and they prided themselves so much on being post-king. You know, everybody always had a king. Everyone around them had a king. Rome was doing it differently. Trying to copy the Greeks a little. We're looking at look at us. Julius Caesar comes along. As is often the case, Julius Caesar is a uniquely incredible, talented human being. So if you're going to pick your first king, I mean, might as well. I mean, surely they'll all be like Caesar. Uh, they're not, though. Caesar comes along, takes over. The Roman nobility has a lot of issues with now being ruled by a tyrant. That's where you get the six semper tyrannis line you've heard a thousand times, death to tyrants. They kill Caesar, only now Rome is virtually stuck in a cycle of emperors. Not really ruled by the Senate anymore. Along comes a man named Caesar Augustus. He's an emperor. He is an all-powerful emperor. He is a political machine. However, he's one of these guys, and I'll tell you, the long-lasting kings in every society in history, almost all of them seem to share this quality. Where Caesar Augustus is strong, Caesar Augustus is very smart. He is not a man that put up with crap. He is, however, a man who wants to give the appearance to other people and the nobility that they are sharing power with him. Well, yeah, I'm the emperor, but man, you are a senator and you are so important. I'll tell you what, we're going to share power. 
Well, no, we're not. We're not going to do any of those ideas you want to do. We're going to do all the stuff I want to do instead. But boy, we are equals, pretty much equals. You would agree with that, right? Here, have have some extra wine. That kind of thing. And as a brief side note to our history story, I had not planned on getting sidetracked with this right now. Allow me to offer you a little bit of advice, especially you kids. You established adults listening to the show will already know this, but I see this so often with young people. Women, but especially young testosterone-filled men, make this mistake all the time, and I am only telling you not to do it because I have done it in my younger days. Do not publicly embarrass somebody by name, ever, under any circumstances especially somebody in your office, in your industry in general. I know you're confused about what I mean here. I'll explain and then I'll continue on in just a second. I love my Raycon earbuds. You already know the story about my wife stealing them, and then I turned around and just bought another pair. (laughs) I love them that much. They're incredible. They're incredible. And look, probably more than anything else, they're comfortable. And I need comfort. I love, yes, I love how they sound. I love the fact they link up to my, uh, they sync to my Bluetooth easily. It takes like 10 seconds. I can turn the volume up, down, play, pause, all that on these little earbuds that don't have a wire. They're just these little earbuds you can hardly tell I have them in. I like all that. But none of that would do me the slightest bit of good if they were uncomfortable. Because once things start to hurt my ears, I take them out. I need my ears. You probably need yours too. And the price isn't bad either. If you go to buyraycon.com slash jesse, that actually gets you 15% off the price the price that was already like half of the other high-end earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Jesse. Jesse Kelly returns next. What I mean by this, and I'm not going to get sidetracked off the history story, so I'll address it later, but let's say you're on an email with five other people in the office from the boss, and he addresses something you all need to do, and you want to explain to the boss that Mike in accounting, he keeps screwing something up, keeping you from doing this. You can hit the reply all function and make an enemy for life. Something Mike will never forget, or you can walk down to the hall, knock on the boss's door, and inform him privately about it. One email, one Facebook post, one tweet, one public embarrassment, people will never, ever forget it. 
forever. Anyway, Caesar Augustus was a good leader in that way. Made sure everybody felt good. Then after him came a man named Tiberius. Tiberius was the adopted grandfather of Caligula, but now we're getting to where the story gets a little bit ugly. And when I say a little ugly, it's about to get horrific. Tiberius, he was not Caesar Augustus. He had no desire to do politics, hated the political game, and he was a vicious human being. Caligula, as of this moment, as a young child, is a loved little boy by his father Germanicus and his wife, or his mother Agrippina. Germanicus and Agrippina have six children, their third being little Caligula. Now, Germanicus was not born with that name. He was given the name Germanicus in the same way Scipio Africanus was given that name. It's because Germanicus was up there slapping around the Germans all the time. You see, Rome was constantly fighting with whatever new group of barbarians were at its borders. Always butting up against a new tribe somewhere, the Germans from the early days of Rome to the end days of Rome always gave Romans problems. Always. They were just wild and awesome fighters and they were difficult. So they sent up this young man to go handle things. Eventually got the name Germanicus because he was so good at it. Germanicus was not only loved by his troops, he was loved by the people of Rome. A national hero type. Think about the way we honor. You remember the Persian Gulf War? Norman Schwarzkopf, that general, everybody remembers it, unless you're Chris and you were, weren't were even born yet. yet. Whatever, Chris. During the Persian Gulf War, here, let me explain, Chris. We hadn't had a war in America for quite some time. We were getting ready to go fight Saddam Hussein in what was going to be a vicious 24-hour battle. But America, back then, when the country was patriotic on both sides, well, we loved our troops. We loved America. And frankly, like every nation before us, we enjoy a good war, at least one we're going to win. It's, it, it, it gins up this feeling of nationalism, of patriotism. Woohoo! America's better than you. Screw you, Saddam. And during wars, you get generals who rise to power. This general's in charge of this. This general's in charge of all of it. And people celebrate these guys as, as heroes. That's Germanicus, a Roman hero. And Germanicus brings along his wife Agrippina and their young son Caligula. That wasn't his name. I'm just going to tell him that. I'm just going to tell you that for confusion purposes. He brings him along on his campaign in the camps, the Roman army camps, the legions. And Caligula, his mother, puts him in these little legionnaire uniforms when he's a small child, three, four years old. Which you know how adorable a three or four-year-old boy is, right? And, and this is going to matter, I will tell you, in combat, when you are away from home, when you are away from your wife, 
girlfriend, kids, mother, father, sister, whatever the case may be, when you're away and you are immersed in the ugly side of life, the blood and the guts and everything else, small little windows of innocence and beauty are uniquely precious. I'm not a big, as you can imagine, feelings guy. I'm not, oh, look at the little baby. I, I just can't, I can't handle that stuff. And I, I don't like that at all. But I like kids. I like them just fine. I love my own. When we were walking through Baghdad, and this was in the time before they started hating us again, where we were liberators, we liberated them from Saddam, they would come out and they would throw roses at us, and they would offer this illegal Iraqi liquor to us, which, of course, we never took. And they would walk out with babies sometimes. You know, these are families who are walking through residential neighborhoods, just like yours, very similar to yours sometimes in Baghdad. And... Nothing would get the patrol to stop briefly like a baby. It was just like something so out of place compared to everything else we were going through. It's just so innocent and wonderful. So picture a Roman camp of legions with a toddler boy. How adorable are three or four-year-old boys anyway? Just fat little hellions dressed in some Roman legionnaire outfit. They loved him. They loved his father, Germanicus, and they loved this child. They loved him so much, they gave him the nickname Caligula, which means little boots. It was a nickname. It was not his name. And I'm not even going to tell you his name because it's nine names long and it'll just confuse you. So life is good, right? You're Caligula, small child, loving mother, father. Life is good. Except for this Tiberius guy. You remember the Tiberius guy we just talked about? The man who took over as emperor after Augustus? Tiberius is a vengeful, paranoid individual, hates politics, a man with plots against him all the time. Tiberius decides he's going to start getting rid of any potential rivals for the throne he now holds. The Germanicus happened to be number one on the list. Germanicus dies poison. Tiberius is not done with this family yet. You see virtually everybody in this family would have some claim to the throne. Mother banished, starved to death. uh, Caligula had two brothers. One of them banished, starved to death. The other one imprisoned, starved to death. Now it's only this young boy, young scared boy, six, seven-year-old Caligula, him and his sisters, who's had this perfect, at least in Roman terms, ideal life ripped away from him, and now he lives under constant threat that the same emperor who murdered his family and tore away everything he ever loved is going to come kill him. As a child, can you imagine what's going through your head? Can you imagine how that's twisting your mind already just knowing that? Just picture how much your child will get rattled at the smallest thing. I mean, maybe you have a kid who's scared of storms. 
scared of dogs, scared of ghosts, scared of the monster in the closet. Now imagine what Caligula's going through, and then he gets a knock at the door one day, and he finds out that emperor wants to see him. How exposed is your information online? How much of your information is out there? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you're naive. I don't think you have a public profile with your home address, your online dating profile information, your gun records, all your previous addresses, things like that. I don't think you knowingly put all that information out there for all to see. But something like that may be happening with your information online. What I mean is there may be public records posted about you. You wouldn't paint your private information on your garage door, right? But you could be leaving a footprint everywhere you go when you're online. A lot of the things you do online, or maybe records you didn't even set up yourself, those records might be out there as well. And not only could they possibly be out there, others might be able to see them. It's more important than ever to find out what could be posted about you. Go to getthetruthnow.com. That's getthetruthnow.com. Put in your name. Young Caligula finds out he has been summoned to the island of Capri. Why is he in the island of Capri? Well, remember when I told you Emperor Tiberius hated politics, hated dealing with the senators, hated all that backstabbing, bribing crap that goes on in politics now and then and will forever? Tiberius decided he was going to not retire, still be emperor, but seclude himself on the island of Capri. Now, you and I have to keep in mind, we're not talking about a deserted island where he's hacking down coconuts like Robinson Crusoe. This man is in a palace, probably palaces on this island, surrounded by bodyguards, surrounded by slaves, surrounded by... Boys under the age of 10. And we're going to leave it at that because I don't want to be grossed out and this is a family show, but rumors abounded at the people who were there on this island. Talk about a nightmare for a young child. Talk about a nightmare for a young child named Caligula. Not only has to go there, he has to serve Tiberius, serves him meals, Fixes his bed. I don't know what else. I'm not going to guess. I don't care to guess. But what does that feel like when you're seven, eight years old and the, I mean, he would be a monster in your mind, right? He would be a demon in your mind. The one who took away everything you ever loved, took away your great life and you think is going to kill you. Why not? He killed your parents and both your brothers calls and instead has you wait on him hand and foot says a lot about Tiberius but the mental anguish 
you would go through. And Caligula, there was a saying about him, no better slave, no worse master. That's what they said about Caligula. And the reason they said that was this young man possessing some kind of savvy inner strength, I don't know how you want to classify it, served and served well, stone-faced, did not rebel, waited hand and foot. Maybe he was just scared out of his mind. Never, according to records, uttered a word against the man who slaughtered his entire family and he had to wait on. Now, they said after the fact Caligula would sneak into Tiberius's room at night with a knife over him wanting to cut his throat but could never do it. Couldn't bring himself to do it. What kind of a living hell is that? What kind of a normal life do you think you could hope to have if that was your existence? If that was your existence for a decade? I don't mean a week, a decade. Tiberius was... Reportedly quite cruel to the young man. And then Tiberius himself certainly had this coming, gets himself smothered in his sleep. Some say he died of old age. Many people say somebody smothered him in his sleep. He was in his 70s. Whatever. Tiberius is dead. And now, now Rome really, really starts to find out the trouble you have when you have an emperor instead of a republic. You see, if the line of succession is not clear, now you have a lot of people who are going to jockey to be the most powerful man on the planet. And a lot of them do. But here's the deal. Young Caligula, while he was going through this living hell was not going through this with the public unaware of what he was going through. Remember when I told you Germanicus was this hero? Caligula's father was this national hero before he was poisoned? Gossip went all around Rome. News and gossip was big in Rome because Rome was humongous on trade and Rome was humongous on roads. So no, they did not have the internet, but news traveled fast. There weren't these horrible secrets that nobody knew about out in the countryside. Oh, they found out. And young Caligula, he was a sympathetic figure. The nation of Rome hated Tiberius and loved Caligula. Felt terrible for him. They knew about his captivity. And now he dies, he's potentially a successor, and the army loved Caligula. Remember how much they loved his father? Remember how much they loved the young boy as well? They remembered that. He had the love of the legions, and when you're having a fight to become the next emperor, having the greatest army in the world standing behind you saying, we'd like this guy is a nice feather in the cap. And Caligula rises to power. Caligula rises to power, and the other man who was really heavily competing with him did not survive very much longer. But that's not where we get into monster Caligula. 
One, it appears that Caligula was a bit of a spender early on, although not a sick freak. You see, Tiberius, as bad of a person as he was, did spend his 22 to 23-year reign. I don't know why you can't get exact dates on this, but 22 to 23-year reign, building up Rome's financial system, saving up money, saved up a ton of it. And Caligula managed to blow it all within the first year of his reign on gladiator games, on chariot races, on parties for the people. And so when I tell you he was extremely popular with the people, I mean it. He was. A people who are easily seduced by government handouts from the treasury. Hmm. That sound familiar at all? Well, I'm just glad that kind of thing can't happen here, Chris. We are too sober-minded to be seduced by government handouts of taxpayer money. Thank goodness we learn our lessons from the past. It's why we do these history lessons every single day. Glad we learned that. He blows all the money. Things are going well. But he has a bit of a strained, to put it nicely, he has a bit of a strained relationship with the Roman Senate. Caligula is tense with them. Doesn't necessarily give them a a ton of respect the way Caesar Augustus just did to emperors before. And the Senate, they don't like that they can't really control this young man. And he was in his 20s at the time. They don't like that they can't control this young man at all. They don't have any power. Caligula starts fielding plots against him. He puts them down violently. And then one day, after a big dinner... Caligula gets a horrible pain in his side, runs to bed. People start crowding around him, and Caligula, as he's fading from consciousness, begins to hear the word poison a lot. Caligula falls into a coma. While he is in a coma, Caligula's closest advisors begin to discuss what they're going to do as far as choosing the next emperor so they can hold their positions of power. People who get positions of power will do anything and everything to hang on to them. And I'm about to say something that's really ugly. But again, I'm ugly, so I can say things like this. Ugly on the inside. We all know how handsome I am, Chris. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Simply safe has made it easy to get home security. And frankly, if we're being honest, they've made it dumb to not get home security. They have. Why wouldn't you get it at this point? Simply Safe has laid it all out for you. Uh, they couldn't be named any better. It is so simple. You simply go to simplysafe.com slash jesse. 
That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. Pick out what you want. They mail it to you. You open it up. You install it, plug it in, and boom, you are covered. And when I say covered, I mean professionally monitored home, home security, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with emergency dispatch services, police, fire, medical, and you get all that starting at $15 a month. $15 a month. SimplySafe.com slash Jesse. That's SimplySafe.com slash Jesse. Go get your home security system. Here's something ugly, but it's true. Power is nice. And you and I spend a lot of time complaining about people in power trying to hang on to power, trying to expand their power. Everything's about power, 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 right? And I'm not saying we we should just excuse them and ignore it. We shouldn't. That's ridiculous. You should care. I should care. But also understand this. It is nice to have it. And it sucks when you don't. Do you enjoy feeling powerless? I certainly don't. I have in my I have plenty of times in my life. You're powerful. Food, water, shelter, nice clothes, comfy bed. People listen to you. You can tell this guy do this, this guy do that. Power's nice. So the guys around Caligula as he's dying falls into a coma. There are oftentimes painted as these devious palace schemers for planning on appointing the next emperor to keep their seats. But okay, he's dying. What should I be doing? This is how I make my living. This is what I do, but this is a side. I don't want to get sidetracked with it. Caligula doesn't die. Caligula comes out of that coma, and this is the part of the story where we don't know what to believe because there are several historical accounts from Rome about what happened. Many people believe Something mentally broke in Caligula while he was in a coma. So that he didn't come all the way back. Whatever came out of that was not the guy who went into that. Which sounds a little bit absurd until you look at things we know about modern medicine today. And it's not that absurd. I will tell you this for a fact. I know several cardiovascular doctors, these heart doctors, who will tell you they have seen time and again, not always, that they have seen time and again major personality changes in people who have open heart surgery. Not even on your brain, open heart surgery. Go in, put them down, get in there, clear out all the gunk, whatever these fancy schmancy doctors do, put them back together again, everything's healed up, everything's good, except... 
some complaints from the wife. He's really changed and not necessarily for the better. Something, this is just my complete amateurish, amateurish guess, something changes or can change when the oxygen stops going for a time or things get rewired, I do believe something changed in Caligula from this coma when you look at his conduct before and after because the man who came out of that coma, well, he's the monster we know of today. He is the paranoid, scared, cruel, beyond belief monster we know of today bordering on insane he had already almost bankrupted rome he comes out of the coma he promptly has the men slaughtered who were plotting the next emperor he now seems to and i'm sure some of this came from childhood too i don't know he now seems to really enjoy human suffering in a way people don't, people shouldn't. Human suffering. They would, they would feed cattle to the animals that took place in the gladiator games. You know, the gladiator games when they would, animals would fight humans and animals would fight other animals, lions and tigers and bears and so on and so forth. Well, you have to feed a lion when you're keeping it in captivity. Captivity. Well, Caligula is really one of the first ones who decided, well, why? We have all these prisoners. Let's just feed them them. And that would be sweet. Which, okay, look, I don't love that. I'm sure you don't love that, but it's not the end of the world, right? It's a prisoner. You could do worse. Except that was just like the beginning of it. He had a... Three-mile bridge built across the water of boats. Now, let me clarify. Boats, as we've talked about several times, were the way money was made in the ancient world. Trade went to and fro across the water. Do you have any idea how many boats it would take to line up? There was two rows of them for three miles across the water Yeah, it took like all the boats in Rome, the military and trade ones, virtually bankrupting the kingdom so he could then have compacted dirt laid down on top of the rows of boats. Now, what was he doing with this? Was he invading another nation? No. He was doing something a bit less important. Hang on. HomeTitleLock.com is out here trying to protect you from being evicted from your house. That is not hyperbole. People are being evicted from their homes all the time in the United States of America right now through no fault of their own. Can you believe that? It's happening. Home title theft is so easy for these cyber criminals, and the consequences are so, so ugly. They go online. They get your home title. They forge your signature on it. They did it to me. It looks totally real. 
They then go take a loan out against it, and you have to pay it back. You. Not your home insurance. Nobody else is going to come save you. You have to pay that loan back. And if you don't, or if you throw them in the trash, you get evicted. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Put in your address. See if you're already a victim. Also, use the code JESSE. Get yourself 30 days of free protection. Emperor Caligula wanted to pretend to conquer something. And so he dressed himself up, I'm not making this up, in Alexander the Great's armor and rode back and forth across the bridge. He not only rode across the bridge, he would stop and had various banquets set up for him along the way with senators and his army, and they would eat on here, and then he would have a good time throwing Roman senators off the bridge into the water, many of whom couldn't swim, and he laughed and laughed and laughed as he watched them drown in the water, and if you thought that was the end of this man's cruelty to man, oh, you have another thing coming. And then there was all this business about a horse. Well, you see, Caligula thought he was a god and thought he could appoint whoever he wanted to be a senator. Thank you. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Caligula either loved his horse or loved making life miserable for senators or both. He essentially built his horse a palace. He fed his horse wine and flakes of gold in the oats. I'm not making this up. He created a luxury robe for the horse and made the horse a Roman senator. In fact, he sent it to the Senate. He befriended actors. Now, you and I have a hard time wrapping our mind around this, although I like the Roman system when it comes to this. Rome very much understood human nature. 
They understood the nature of actors, although I have a couple actors who are friends of mine. You see, here in America, we worship these people, and they always have these public opinions, and they're thought of as being these high society people, right? Um, in Rome, actors were thought of as not even second class, third class citizens on the same level as pimps and prostitutes. I'm not exaggerating. It was considered to be a public scandal. If somebody from the Roman nobility, anybody, senator, emperor, anybody, was seen talking to an actor, you weren't supposed to speak to those people. What, are you crazy? Those people were insane. I mean, yeah, they can act. That's entertaining. We'll go enjoy the play, but I'm not going to speak to them. (laughs) Caligula loved them. Caligula appointed himself God. Caligula began to fall out of favor with the people because he would take statues of the Roman gods like Jupiter, and he would have the statues of the gods. The people worship the statues. I know they're idiots, but people worship the statues. He would have them cut off the heads of the statues and place his own face on the statue, his own head on statues of Jupiter and others so people would only worship him. At one point, he's hanging out with an actor, which he's not supposed to do. He's already really hated by this point, by the Senate. Walks by a statue of Jupiter, asks the actor, who is the greater god, himself or Jupiter? The actor, the friend of Caligula, actor, takes too long to answer the question, and Caligula has him whipped to death in front of him. The whole time, as you can imagine, the actor is begging for his life. Caligula Caligula critiques the actor's performance and voice as he's dying. One final story I will tell you before we get to the end here. I'll be as delicate as humanly possible on this one. As I said, Caligula hated senators. The senators hated Caligula. Nevertheless, they were forced to do what he wanted. He is emperor after all, and he would throw these big banquets and invite them over. He had at least one big banquet. He invited all these senators over. While they're sitting around, food and drinks, Caligula tells one of the senator's wives to join him in the next room where they enjoy each other loudly right next door to the party to make sure everybody can hear. Think of the uncomfortable humiliation Everybody in the room is feeling at this point in time, let alone the husband. Then goes right back to the party and discusses the activities with everybody at the party. Madman. Now we get to how did it all end for Caligula? Well, let's talk about another person very briefly before we wrap up here today. His name was Cassius Cheria. Cassius Cheria was a warrior's warrior. Came up through the legions, promotion after promotion after promotion. This is a human being 
bad dude. You remember Germanicus, Caligula's father? Cassius Chariot fought under Germanicus, and he fought German tribes, and he got pelts on the wall. This was a killer. Roman legionaries were maybe the finest soldiers who ever lived. They were drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. Boot camp alone was four months. My boot camp in the Marine Corps, which is the hardest boot camp of the armed services, was only a little over three. Four months. They made Roman troops in boot camp march 24 miles in one day. Now, I have gone on long humps before. I think probably 20 miles is my longest I've gone on. But I went on that hump, yes, carrying lots of gear, but with modern technology as far as the boots and socks go and the pack on my back. And we had several guys in our battalion who could not walk for two days at the end of that 20-mile hump. Picture doing that in leather Roman sandals. This Cassius Cherry guy was a beast. Finds himself one day in a brawl with a German tribe. He takes an axe wound to the groin. In severe pain with an axe wound to the groin. I know you're cringing, fellas. Believe me, I'm cringing too. In severe pain with an axe wound to the groin manages in one swipe to chop off the head of the dude he's fighting who gave him the wound before he collapses and his men surround him. Miraculously, he does heal up. To what extent he healed up, I don't know. What level of functionality he had after this, I don't know. But you know you were thinking it. I'm thinking it too. Nevertheless, he did have an issue after this. His voice was high and squeaky like a woman's. In a masculine, male-dominated society like Rome, that can be a difficulty. But you're Cassius Cheria, and you've got a lot of pelts on the wall, and you're big and strong and fast and moving up through the legions, so you're going to be paid a certain level of respect. In fact, you work your way up through the legions so high that you get to be a member of the Roman Praetorian Guard. Think of them like the Secret Service. Except they killed a lot of the emperors, but that's another story entirely. It was an honor. You were a stud if you got put in the Praetorian Guard, and Cassius Cheria did. However, he had... The unfortunate honor of being a Praetorian guardsman under Caligula. Caligula, oftentimes at these big banquets, would have Cassius Cheria come out and just talk so Caligula could make fun of him in his voice. He would have Cassius Cheria kiss his hands in front of everybody. He would do everything humanly possible to humiliate this warrior of Rome. And one day, I'm sure it was organized with senators and others, Caligula decides to go do one of his favorite things in the world and attend the theater. Caligula loved the theater. 
loved it so much. And of course, because he's a psychopath, he would go to these plays and stuff and then stand up and force the actors to redo scenes they loved. One day he decided to leave the theater a little early. Oops. Your home title, well, it can destroy you if you don't protect it. I don't have another better way to put it. Having your home title online without having HomeTitleLock.com, it's like taking your life savings and just setting it out in the front yard. That's what it's like. These cyber criminals are looking for it. Your home title is not a piece of paper anymore. It is digital. If they find it, you are financially ruined. They will take it. They will get your signature on it. They will take a loan out against it, and you will have to pay that loan back. If you do not, you're finished. You're evicted. Credit score destroyed. And your home insurance, they ain't going to cover it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Don't forget to use the code JESSE while you're there. That gets you 30 free days of protection. Caligula decides to take a night off from the theater. He leaves a little early. He takes these underground tunnels back to his palace. Caligula oftentimes, because he believed he was a god, liked to travel alone. But Cassius Cherry always made sure there were Praetorian guardsmen close enough. Cassius Cherry had a couple of them following a little too close today. Finally, Caligula turns around, says, what is your problem? They have a brief conversation. Then Cassius Cheria pulls out his sword and slices it across Caligula's face, his ear to his cheek. Caligula drops to the ground, screaming in pain, at which point in time the other conspirators emerge, all of them with knives, and proceed to stab Caligula 27 times, only they do it in places that will keep him alive. Then Cassius Cheria, the man mocked, steps up over Caligula, bends down, removes the boys with one slice castrated, gone, then spits in his face and slices his throat and ends it. Caligula dies with exactly 30 wounds on him. There is a funny thing about power. Always has been, always will be. And you could tell this story a million different ways about a million different people. It is nice to have it. It's better to have it than to not have it. That's for daggone sure. 
And so often you can live your whole life having it without a second thought. And maybe the next guy who comes after you can live his whole life having it without a second thought. And the next guy after, the next guy after. But there is one absolute certainty about power on this earth. It's going to end eventually for somebody. And the people in power, they get so wrapped up with having it, they get so used to this existence where they have all of it and you don't have any, that they can find themselves oftentimes abusing people. Abusing people they should not be abusing. And those people, when you find yourself in that situation, if power happens to end on your watch, it ends ugly. I am very concerned about what I see right now nationally in the United States of America. And I'm not only talking about, you know, Republican versus Democrat and all these other things. I am talking about people in power getting way, way too comfortable abusing people who are not necessarily powerless. You see, this political club we have, not just at a national level either. I'm talking about local politics, mayors, governors. You see them across the country and nationally. These people have gotten so, so comfortable settling themselves in, doing whatever they want, whenever they want, and never, never experiencing consequences for it. And I think the people of the United States of America are starting to get mad. I don't mean just mad, yell at the sky mad. I think people are starting to get very mad. And to make matters worse, the people in power, they push these radical street leftist groups. They encourage them. They excuse them. And these radical street leftist groups are only abusing normal people more and more and more. You see them stopping cars on the highway with their stupid Black Lives Matter or Antifa stuff. Now they're starting to bring weapons. We just had that dude killed in Austin, thought he was going to stop a guy and point an AK-47 at him. They're ramping it up. They're ramping up their abuse instead of turning it down. And... Politically, at a national level, where are my indictments? I realize the talk of the day is Joe Biden's vice president pick, and who's it going to be? Oh, I can't believe it's this person. I can't believe it's not that person. I realize that. Where are the indictments for the Federal Bureau of Investigation using opposition research paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign to obtain a warrant, a FISA warrant, to spy on an American citizen running against Hillary Clinton. That is the biggest political scandal by a mile 
in the history of the United States of America. And you know what I have? I have senators like Lindsey Graham giving angry interviews on Hannity. I have these great speeches. I have congressional hearings where they stand up and they say, did you lie under oath? I bet you did. And then I get these emails the next day about send money to so-and-so. Look at how he stood up for the rule of law. Look at how he's taking it to the Democrats. By, By giving a speech on TV? Who's going to jail? And if nobody's going to jail, what do you think the people are going to take from that? Let me let me break it to you in case you can't figure it out on your own, Senator, Congressman. The people are going to take to that, take from that, that no matter what, there will never, ever, ever be consequences for people in power. And eventually, the people might take from that, if I want there to be consequences, I'm going to have to do it. And I don't want to live in a country like that. I want you, Senator, Congressman, with your fancy strong speeches on TV, I want you to hold somebody to account. I want you to realize one day power ends. One day, your power is going to end too. I want you to have enough respect for the United States of America to stop it from ripping itself apart. The people in this nation, myself included, are starting to get a real feeling there is no more law anymore. There is no more rule of law anymore. That's what they're feeling. And... And we have an absolute idiot running for president on the Democrat side. So what if, what if, and it could happen, what if we don't get any charges, Donald Trump loses, and Joe Biden gets into power and promptly has to bow to the leftist mob and start slamming down some of these insane leftist policies down your throat. What does what does the United States of America look like if Joe Biden gets into power and starts packing the Supreme Court? Hang on. My Raycon earbuds are, well, they've changed my daily routine. Like, you you know, you know that I have e- things in my ears a lot. I have a three-hour radio show. I have a one-hour TV show, and I love them, but they involve me having things in my ears. I don't have headphones on. I keep buds in my ears. When I'm on TV, I have a bud in, in my right ear so my producer can talk. Long story short, when I'm done with that kind of work day, 
my ears hurt. If I have anything but the most comfortable earbud in the world in my ears, I can't do it. Only I have to consume audio information at all times. My Raycon earbuds allow me to keep them in at all times, and they have never once bothered me. They're incredible. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off your Raycon wireless earbuds. Joining me now is Esquire, Aaron Elmore, and Aaron, before we begin with everything else, tell me about USA Strong. It is director of USA Strong, and we are a grassroots organization that we really want to hold China accountable, not just for coronavirus, but we sat by and watched them lie and cheat and steal and kill their way into global domination. We want to make sure that our United States middle class has the opportunity to flourish. We want to make sure that the United States enters fair trade deals. We just really want to restore the American middle class to greatness, and I'm here to spread the word and make sure everyone follows Proud USA Strong on all social media platforms. Proud USA Strong. All right, Aaron, I'm glad you brought this up because I feel like, well, maybe I'm hoping that something has shifted in America. I mean, I have heard for years about, you know, well, don't buy stuff made in China, don't buy that. And I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of ignored a lot of that. I mean, I wasn't seeking out things made in China, but I was like, oh, okay, whatever, buy American. I feel like Americans now more than ever are taking that seriously. Am I, is that just my imagination or are they really? I think that because our president has really sh- sh- shining the spotlight on China, and you, can, you have to say it like him when you say it now, China. <laughs> but I think he is shining the spotlight on China now, and, and it's waking people up to the various things that they're doing wrong. And the list is so long, we wouldn't have time to talk about all of it. Whether there are actual concentration camps in China right now where the Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities are literally treated as slaves like the Holocaust for organ harvesting and their children are being used in manufacturing slave labor. There are so many things that are going on there that we really need to talk about. Um, and, and, And they're impacting America. Look what they've done with the coronavirus, lying about human to human transmission, allowing flights out of Wuhan to places like the United States and Europe, but stopping domestic travel within China from Wuhan. So they knew what they were doing here. And the American people on both sides of the aisle are actually really fed up. A Pew Research Foundation study, and I'm paraphrasing, um, came out and said that over 90%, like 91% of Americans don't have a very good feeling about China right now. Aaron, do you think this puts the Democrat Party in a little bit of a bind? Because Joe Biden does have, I mean, look, let's be honest, he's got a lot of very uncomfortable ties to China, and so they can't really bash China too much. They've been bashing on Trump for going after China, but the American people are not with them in this. It's just one of those ones the public isn't with them. No, I mean, I don't think that the public is really with the Democrats on much, you know, not to shift gears too much here, but I'm a suburban, I'm a suburban mom. And I talk to other suburban moms, and what I hear is when they talk about defunding the police, that doesn't play well with the suburban mom. When you talk about keeping our kids out of school, that doesn't play well with the suburban mom. So what do the Democrats have that the voters want? 
it's certainly not AOC. What does the suburban mom want? And I realize every suburban mom is her own individual person. I'm not trying to lump all of, of them together. But I know that both parties talk about suburban moms endlessly. They view that as, you know, the demographic they have to nail down. They're going after Aaron Elmore, although I think we all know where Aaron's going. What is an overriding concern in general of a suburban mom? I think their children and their safety. And right now, I don't know where the Democrats are, are coming with their ideology and their thought process. And I think we heard New York's Governor Cuomo, you know, flip the switch and say, OK, everyone's going back to school, because I think the, the polling has, has shown all of these politicians this isn't playing well. And yes, I think the biggest demographic group that might be different is the coastal elites in places like Los Angeles and New York. Those moms are totally different. They have such bad white guilt that they just they're they're off they're they're off the charts with their viewpoints but i think the rest of the moms and of course we're all different of course we have different concerns and lives and opinions and viewpoints but we all care about our children and we all care about safety and the democrats are not on board with us at all well i realize you are most likely on one of these weird suburban mom diets that has you eat pine nuts and nothing else what's the best (laughs) cheesesteak in Philly and what makes a good cheesesteak? The best cheesesteak in Philly is probably Jim's on South Street. Now there's two famous places. You got um, Gino's and Pat's and they're right by each other. You have to go there when you go to Philly. But also hit up Jim's. It's the best one. Why? Um, you know, Jim's, it's, it's, it's lesser known. Um, and it's just a classic. It's delicious. It's the cheese to meat ratio. There you have it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's what I'm talking about. Isn't all food really about the ratios? People people act like it doesn't matter. It matters a lot. I don't need quadruple meat. I need an appropriate meat to cheese to bread to onion ratio. That's right. You got to get whiz wit, cheese whiz wit. You know, you got to order it right. It's a whole thing, you know. But right now, I'm not even in Philly. I am from Philly, but I am in South Florida because we escaped when the riot when the rioting started and anyone that says, Oh, that's not real. You know, like our friend Jerry Nadler, um, I can assure you that I was living in it and it was very real. And the clothing stores on in the shopping district, um, all of the windows were had bricks thrown through them. And um, there was expletives about the police written everywhere on ATM machines and on windows. And um, I have a child that's old enough to read and I didn't want him to live through that and think that and see that. So we left um, and moved to Florida for what we thought was going to be two weeks. And now it's been two and a half months. That is fantastic. You know, Florida gets a bad rap. I just got back from vacation in Florida last week. Florida has some absolute honey holes. It is a sweet little spot. If you know where to go. I think it's, I mean, there's very different parts. There's some, I think it's all largely very, very nice to be honest with you. Um, I, I think it's a, a beautiful state. Um, di- different places have different things. You know, you can get your little international and Latin culture in Miami, and you know, you can be a little prepster in <laughs> in Palm Beach. <laughs> you can go play golf in Jupiter and the, the Key West. You can go down and let it all hang out. There's so many different things you can do. I love Florida. I I would like to move here permanently, so we'll see what happens. Assuming Donald Trump gets a second term, which is a big assumption, but let's assume he gets a second term, what's one thing you want to see out of him? That's a really good question. I'm going to have to say what's obvious to me and with my goals at USA Strong is I would really like to see a hard stance on China. 
I would really like to see us bring our manufacturing back from China, specifically pharmaceuticals. Um, as of the Department of Commerce, 97% of our antibiotics originate in China. Um, the disruption in that supply chain could be deadly. Um, they have exclusive manufacturing deals for things like anesthesia, cancer, Oof. drugs, AIDS, and HIV med- medication. So we really need to see these manufacturing jobs come back from China. And I would love to sit with the president and talk with him. And I appreciate people like Tom Cotton and Marsha Blackburn who are our electeds working on these topics right now. So I think it's all about China. And let's pray that our great president gets a second term and we keep America great and make it even greater. Follow them on social media. Proud USA strong. She is Erin Elmore. She'll be back. I appreciate you, Erin. Thank you. Appreciate you, too. Be good. One day we need to have on, you know what, I think I already have a guy in mind, Chris, but if you have anybody or if the audience has someone they love for it, Brian Westbury is really good on that. We haven't had Brian Westbury on. We need someone on to explain how we got in this situation where we have shipped so much of our economy to China. I want to know why it happened so we can prevent it happening in the future because there has to be reasons. I understand it's going to be a long haul. Maybe we'll have to do like a two-part interview with him. You know what? I'm going to reach out to Brian Westbury about it. But we need somebody to lay this out because it is frightening. When you find – I mean, the stuff Aaron just brought up, I mean, that's that's just a small part of how much of us they own. If China decides they want to stop us from having blank – It's the snap of their fingers, and it's gone. Financially, it's the only thing. The the, the financial reasons are the only reason they haven't done it already. They need us to make money. This is quite a situation. Chris, somebody got something awesome, and they're acting like it's bad. I'll explain. Hang on. out catch up jessekellyshow.com your life is going to be separated into two different categories it's going to be before you got an ebb sleep and after you got an ebb sleep because a good night's sleep a natural night's sleep my goodness it changes everything and when i say natural i mean that We all put too much junk in our bodies. I'm as guilty as anybody else. Believe me when I tell you, those sleeping pills are not good for you. They're not good for you. Stop with that. The reason you're staying awake is those racing thoughts through your head. Calm them down. You can do that with an ebb sleep. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead, calming those thoughts down and putting you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse. Get yourself 25 bucks off. This is Andy Ad Council. As I mentioned earlier in the show, you and I... We complain about people in power. We complain about how they want more of it. We complain about how they want to keep the power they have. It's human nature. 
You do it, I do it, we all do it. And I have these moments, like Hillary Clinton came out recently, and she was complaining about Trump's executive order. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she said. It's not important. But I went on the air on my TV show. My TV show is called I'm Right, of course. The channel's on the first. The channel's called The First. You can get it on Apple TV, Pluto TV. There's an app for it, all that stuff. I'm on every single night. And I went off on this rant about it, about how I don't I don't understand why these people in power, I don't understand why they have to keep it. What is this obsession with keeping it and getting more of it? I mean, Hillary Clinton is, is, I mean, detestable, of course, but first lady, United States senator, secretary of state, even one of those is quite a notch on the boat and belt. And she's still out there doing hits on MSNBC talking about Donald Trump. Why? And then it occurred to me, as much as we complain about that, it really is human nature. I am going to tell you a little story from my vacation. And I found it to be so bizarre and I found myself, well, questioning myself. We went with two other couples on vacation last week. And the industry, so there are certain industries that are absolutely crushed right now. Some of them are coming back. Some of them are still behind. And for instance, I live in the Houston area and down here in Galveston, which is our beach, you know, it's our beach town, kind of a dirty, fun little beach town just south of us. Their charter boat, you know, you charter a boat down there for a while, they weren't allowed to go out and they were all just shut down. The docks were shut down. Well, those guys, those guys, that's seasonal lots of times. They, they need that business. So they get behind. You can lose your boat. You can lose your business. It's a big deal. This is a long way of me. <laughs> this is a long way for me to say the prices are really good right now in some of those areas. Now, I go down to Florida. We've got these two other couples with us, and we're enjoying ourselves. I told you we did the airboat thing. Almost died. I told you all that yesterday. Sitting around, you know, eating good food, shrimp quesadillas, you know, a couple beers, enjoying life, a little beach time. Somebody gets the idea, what if we rented a boat for the day? Like a nice one with, with a couple people on it. I mean, you'd call it a yacht, but we show up and we do it. We find out, of course, it's heavily, heavily discounted. You can get this thing not that much money. Now, granted, you're not staying in it overnight. You're not sailing to the Caribbean or something with it. You're tooling around the beach of Florida. You're on a very nice boat. I'm not going to discount it. The boat was very nice, but you're driving up and down the beaches of Florida for a few hours. Okay, you're you're on one just to say you're on one. It was really, really cool. The staff on the boat, the, the, the two guys who ran it, who rented it out, they send you a, a, a request form. You put in a grocery list. And they go buy the groceries for you and make them for you on the boat. So, of course, I put in you know, frozen pizzas and Doritos. I am not making that up. My wife was so horrified she almost refused to send the list. She said, no, we are getting on a nice boat. You can order some nice food. Stop eating like a toddler. <laughs> I said, no, I want, I want my frozen pizzas and some Doritos. 
ooh, ooh, and you know what? Get some Sour Patch Kids on there, too. Uh, it was pretty high end. Let's just say I did it right. And I need some butt heavies. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, not gonna go without butt heavies. But we show up at the marina to get on our boat the day we're supposed to get on our boat, and it is beautiful. Okay, I think it was fifty or sixty feet, and it's one of the ones you you get on it and you can walk right in the main cabin. And there's a little kitchen there where they're making the stuff, and there's a little dining room table, a couple little couches, and there's a downstairs. You go downstairs, and there's two or three tiny little bedrooms on this thing. You can stay overnight. It was sweet. Or you can go out and go upstairs, up top, where there's a couple more couches and where, you know, they do most of the most of the piloting of the vessel. And there's a deck on the front. Look, it was a very nice boat. I'm not putting it down. It was a nice boat. But we show up, and our boat pulls up. And I'm about to step on to a nicer boat than I've ever been on in my entire life. I mean, I grew up, you know, we weren't on nice boats. <laughs> I'm about to step foot on the nicest boat I've ever stepped on. Excited to do it. But looked around a little bit. And wow, we're, we were getting on a 60-footer. I wonder who owns this 100-foot boat behind us. Man, that's super nice. Wow. Oh, oh, look at that one over there. Shoot, that has to be 150 feet. Oh, man, I wonder how much more that one costs than the one we're on. I wonder how much that now that was just a brief moment of wondering about the boat behind us, the boat across the way, this bigger boat, that bigger boat. How easy would it be to fall in that trap if you owned the boat? Understand what I mean? I'll explain. Hang on. give you something fun to do with your family it's gonna sound crazy but it was a blast simply safe i know i know i know what you're thinking what what how could how could a home security system be fun just hear me out you go to simplysafe.com slash jesse pick out all the things you want they'll ship them to you let your family know they're on the way when they get here you guys open up the box together and takes less than an hour really Go set all the sensors and things up around your house as a family. I promise you, your kids will enjoy it. Mine sure did. Then you just plug it in, and that's it. That's all it takes. Now you're covered with no contract for as little as $15 a month. No pushy sales, guys. No hidden fees. No fine print. Just outstanding home security. SimplySafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. One thing I've learned as I have begun to mingle with People who've achieved a higher level of economic success. Rich people. I hang out with rich people more now than I did before. That's not my preferred. 
but it's just the nature of my business. Sometimes I happy. You got to go meet with this advertiser. You got to go meet with this guy who wants to meet you, whatever. They do what I did with those boats all the time on their own level. I'm going to buy a, I'm going to buy a $3 million yacht. Life is good. It's the boat I've always wanted. And they pull it in the first marina and they look at the $10 million yacht behind them and think, daggone it. That's the one I really want. Maybe, sadly, maybe contentment, maybe satisfaction with where we are, no matter where you are. Maybe it's outside of our nature. I know that's a little dark, but what if that's not who we are? Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. All right, back to this thing. This guy lucked out and didn't know he did. Here's the story. A French defense industry employee about to retire. He's a defense industry employee about to retire, was gifted something. He was extremely reluctant to accept a ride in a Dassault fighter jet. The 64-year-old was not instructed, to say the least, in passenger etiquette. So here's what happened. Oh, gosh. Nobody asked the guy if he wanted the ride. This is from the story or showed him what to expect. Nobody, nobody taught him how to wear his G-suit pants. His seat harness wasn't right. And his helmet and oxygen mask were unbuckled as the plane taxied the runway. (laughs) He was so nervous that his heartbeat was around 140 beats per minute just from climbing into the plane. Dude, it is a miracle this guy is not dead. At 64, um, he didn't get a medical clearance from his doctor. And he was told no negative Gs. I mean, basically, they was told, take it easy on the guy. The fighter pilot... Being a fighter pilot, this is from the article, probably thought he was taking it easy as he pulled into a 47-degree climb and generated a 3.7G load. I don't know what that means, but sounds like a lot. On the climb, both the pilot and passenger were crushed down into the seat. But when the plane started to level off, things got real panicky in the real seat as the negative 0.67, we need a pilot on the on the show, as the negative 0.67 G load caused the ill-buckled passenger 
to feel like he was about to fly out of the cockpit, which shortly thereafter he did. Apparently, (laughs) I can't get over this. Apparently, the quick and dirty safety briefing failed to properly emphasize the fact that the black and yellow striped loop in the middle of the seat between his legs was not a grab handle, but a trigger for the ejection seat. The good doctor's G-load recommendations were surely exceeded as pyrotechnics blasted a hole in the canopy and the ro- and rocket motors fired the seat and its terrified denizen out into the slipstream high above the French countryside. <laughs> Around the time our hero took to the skies in his very own chairplane, the unbuckled helmet parted ways with the miserable noggin it was pledged to protect. This is such a great article. Who wrote this? Carandriver.com. This is Ezra Dyer at carandriver.com. In the growing cascade of colossal fails, the next one was actually fortuitous. How do you say that word? Is fortuitous the right way? Shut up, Chris. I went to community college, everybody, okay? I did not go to a formal school. I didn't grow up with money. I went to public schools, and then when I was done with the Marine Corps, I went to community college where I have almost three years of credits. If you're looking for fancy schmancy law degrees, there are a million shows out there where you can talk to somebody like that. You are not going to find that here. You're only going to find stupidity here. So I don't know how to say words, all right? The pilot's own ejection ejection seat malfunctioned. When either the fore or aft seat in a Rafale, I'm guessing that's the name of the jet, is triggered, the second one is supposed to follow automatically on the theory that if one crew member makes an unscheduled departure, there's probably a good reason for the other to promptly join the exodus. And indeed, after the world's unhappiest retiree bid adieu, pyrotechnics blew a hole in the pilot's canopy. But the first ejection damaged the front seat such that it didn't eject, and the pilot was actually able to land his now alfresco fighter jet, (laughs) at which point the pilot beat feet away from the aircraft for fear that the dud would, like so many flights, take off late. In fact, nobody was allowed near the plane for 24 hours after it landed just in case the pilot's seat decided to go all Colonel Stop and fire rockets. I don't know. Who, who's Colonel Stop, Chris? Look that up. S-T-A-P-P. As for our unfortunate co-pilot, he made it to the ground with minor injuries and likely a keen desire never to hang out with old co-workers ever again. Because... As the report notes, he didn't want the ride in the fighter jet in the first place. According to the BA slash E, the passenger, quote, never expressed the desire to carry out this type of flight, in particular on a Rafale, but his cohorts offered him a chance to bail. Ultimately, he did it anyway. Stops law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. I always thought that was Murphy's law. That is Murphy's law. Who's this Colonel Stop guy? He's trying to hijack. You know what that is? 
I bet you money he's some foreigner, and they're trying to hijack an American saying. Who? What? Who is he, Chris? Oh, wait. Stop is an American. Never mind. All hail Colonel Stop, American hero. Well, who's Murphy then? That's Murphy's Law. Find out, Murphy, Chris. We're doing this live. Okay, so nobody knows. Either way, here's my point in this whole story. I realize for a 64-year-old man, that had to be beyond traumatic. I mean, I cannot believe he didn't die. I genuinely mean that. If his heartbeat was 140 beats before he even took off, I can't believe the ejection didn't blow him out. Think how scary it would be anyway just having the cockpit glass above you shatter in explosions because they have to blow that before they can shoot you out of the plane. So obviously, I I can't believe he didn't die. But I've always wanted to eject from a plane. Don't you? You don't? Do you don't want to eject from a plane, Chris? Chris asked if I was in that situation, how soon after would I have to change my pants? Now, I got to be frank with everybody here. Chris, I got to be frank with you. I got to be frank with the audience. I've been in, obviously, some life-threatening situations before. Combat, car wrecks, etc. There are people who are poopers, and there are people who are not poopers. I'm not a pooper. However, I have been with and fought with very, very brave people who are poopers. So quit laughing, Chris. So, I mean, no, I'd be fine. I'm not going to poop. But I know a lot of people who would poop. I don't know. That's just, it's an involuntary body thing. I'm not a pooper. All right. Um, so no, I would I would I would maintain control of my bowels and I wouldn't vomit either. Now, I have to clarify something. I didn't do anything to acquire this. Maybe this is some Irish heritage. I think I got some German in there. I also don't get nauseous. Like ever. Um my younger years when I'd have way too much to drink, I do not get nauseous. I do not get boat sick. I do not get air sick. Do you remember my boat sick story, Chris? All right. You forget the boat sick story. So here we go. Ugh. All right. Hopefully you've already eaten. Hang on. You know what the ultimate red flag for me is? When I'm signing up for any service, I want this service, I want this lawn service, I want this kind of service. As soon as they do the contract thing, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm I'm so glad you want to sign up with us today, Mr. Kelly. Now, uh, would you like the two or three year contract? Wait, what? Why do I have to? Why do I have to sign into a long contract? If you're providing me a good service at a good price, why are you so interested in locking me into a two- or three-year contract? 
That is a red flag for me. It's simply safe, their home security, no contracts, no pushy salespeople, no lousy customer support. You go online, you pick it out, they mail it to you, you plug it in, you're covered. Simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. Go there today. Chris reminded me as we're coming back that I need to tell this boat sick story. Now, I know a lot of you probably wonder, Jesse, how are you so incredible at this? Understand something. I don't prepare or focus for the show. Sometimes I lose my train of thought and I forget what I was talking about. So when we come back from a break, if he's not busy screwing off, Chris will inform me that I have promised a story or I need to continue a story And so I'm going to do this now. But even though he told me I need to do the Boat 6 story, I will tell you. It's a little gross and I considered not telling. It's a little gross. It's a little difficult to relive, if you will, Chris. And it's difficult to relive in that. What's the best way I can put this? Think of the worst stomach flu you've ever had. And everything that comes with a stomach flu, I certainly don't need to elaborate. You know. The vomiting, the green apple splatters, everything. Do you enjoy thinking about that time in your life? About how you felt? About the things you did? Do you enjoy thinking about how you looked, how you smelled? You don't. You kind of set that aside. Well, here's this story. Now. I, I'm assuming they still do this, but I joined the Marine Corps in the year 2000. So this is prior to 9-11. Therefore, it's prior to Iraq, Afghanistan, forever. It's all this stuff. So I'm sure this has messed up deployment schedules big time. I don't know to what extent they still do this. You're welcome to write me and tell me, by the way. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But part of... Your four-year Marine Corps stint when you were in the infantry is every two years, once every two years, you would do a six-month deployment, a six-month stretch overseas. And depending where you were stationed stateside, what unit you were in, that would depend on where you went. Some guys had to get on a boat. Which, that sounds fun, and I love boats, but I'm 6'8", and I do not do well on naval vessels, but some guys had to get on a boat. But there were benefits to a boat. You would go to places like Australia, where the beer flows like wine, apparently, and the women are hot, and they love Americans, and the countryside's cool, and you can go swimming in the Great Barrier Reef. And I mean, it's Australia. Even though it's a horrific place with deadly animals, it'd be a cool place to stop. So some people do that. Some people will go on a boat or a plane and they'll head east. They're going to Europe or Africa. I mean, most of the time, the deployments are not exactly in the best places in the world. I was in 29 Palms, California, 
our deployments were six months in Okinawa, Japan. We did not boat there because, of course, I joined the Marine Corps and was stationed in the middle of the freaking Mojave Desert. So we didn't take a boat because you can't take a boat from 29 Palms, California. We went to an airport. We got on a plane. For those of you wondering, actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't some C-130 military plane where you fly for 17 hours. They essentially would block off like a commercial 747 for us and fly us over that way. Now, granted, it's the Marine Corps, and they treat you like crap the whole time, and I was a super young Marine at the time. I had not really advanced in rank yet because I just got in, so you really get treated like crap, all the crappy duties, everything else. But still, it's kind of cool, right? You join for some sense of adventure. That's why young men do such things. Get on a plane. We fly over to Okinawa. Now, you don't just stay in Okinawa. You see other deployments in the Marine Corps when you're on a boat, you bounce around. You're going to pop in this place. You're going to pop in that place. When you fly right to Okinawa, yes, you have a base you're staying at, and you have a barracks, and you have a place. That's where you go. But you're going to take various trips to other places in the vicinity to get various kinds of training in. They're always trying to train you to give you at least some sort of knowledge in every kind of environment. They try to make sure you, I mean, you're not going to be this, you know, this master of every environment. That's not realistic. Even the spec spec ops guys aren't that way, but you're going to have some basic knowledge of all of it. We did mountain warfare training. We did winter warfare training because I was in the desert. We did endless desert warfare training, which actually ended up paying off nicely. We would do more mountainous kind of training. When we were in Okinawa, they flew us up to Tokyo to Mount Fuji up there. And we went up to Mount Fuji and did this training. That's when we started that illegal fire. I told you about that one time, Chris. I'll tell the story another day. We're not going into that now. And, of course, we got to enjoy ourselves with a little liberty in Tokyo. They gave us a list of bars we were not allowed to go into. So, of course, that was the list of bars we went to right away. Thanks for giving us a list of all the fun spots. <laughs> Look, I told you I'm not a rule follower. I admit it's gotten me in a lot of trouble. That's where we were. But at one point in time, they decided it was time to go do what's called Cobra Gold. Now, I think they still do Cobra Gold today. What Cobra Gold is, is it's three weeks to a month. I forget exactly. It's a, a month-long jungle warfare training in Thailand, which we've talked about before. We're not going into Thailand. We're going into the trip to Thailand. We get ready to get on this boat to go to Thailand. Now, this boat was a gigantic catamaran. A catamaran is like a like a pontoon boat. You know, you have like the, the one pontoon on one side and the other pontoon on the other side, maybe one in the middle. Only this one is multiply that times 200. It's like the size of a cruise ship. Yes, Chris, very similar to Waterworld, only even bigger than that. And there aren't sleeping compartments or anything like that on there because I, I think the journey was supposed to be, I probably have this wrong. Again, feel free to correct me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I probably have this wrong, but the journey was seven, eight, nine hours long. It was a long trip. And we all had seats like a plane. And they did have a big internal area beside the seats where they had tables and chairs and things, and they were nailed down. And that's going to matter a lot here in just a moment. 
Everything's nailed down. Everything's bolted down. Well, this is the Marine Corps, and these, these types of troop movements take a lot of planning and coordination, and they cost a lot of money. Therefore, if you're ever going to cancel one, it is not a small deal. How inconvenienced are you when they've canceled or severely delayed a flight you've taken? Severely, right? I've, I've, been, I've gone through it. It's horrible. It sucks. Oh, gosh, this ruins the day. We might, we're going to lose it. It's terrible. Well, multiply that by several thousand, and that's how big of a deal it is when you have to cancel something. Now, we have this boat we got to get on, and there is a tropical storm brewing in the area between Okinawa and Thailand. Might not be the best time to get on a boat. In hindsight, probably something we shouldn't have done. However, United States Marine Corps being what the United States Marine Corps is, they stepped right up to the plate and said, we're fine. Everybody get on the boat. They've got life jackets for Pete's sake. Quit being a baby. (laughs) Now we all get on the boat. Understand that a lot of people get seasick. Maybe you get seasick. And at first, it's only a couple guys because the ocean is just doing normal ocean things. We're taking this huge catamaran across the ocean towards Thailand, and a couple guys getting sick. It's not the end of the world. Then the storm comes. Hang on. I don't want you to have to worry about identity theft. The truth is, you're completely safe from identity theft as long as you never go on the internet. Oh, oh, you go on the internet? Yeah, I thought so. Then you're not safe. Your information is out there. Your credit cards, your debit cards, your bank accounts, social security number, credit score, they're hanging out there. And these cyber thieves... When you go to work, that is their work. They spend all day and night prowling the internet for your information. Go get identityhero.net slash jesse. You need Identity Hero to make sure they don't get it. And if the worst happens and they do, Identity Hero will pay you back dollar for dollar, up to a million bucks. And you get this for starting at $7.95 a month. Identityhero.net slash jesse. IdentityHero.net slash Jesse. The storm came like any other storm comes slowly at first. And it starts to get a bit more rocky on the boat. And then it starts to get really rocky on the boat. And eventually we get to a point where you can see 
the officers, the people in charge are a bit shaken. We have this catamaran and it's tall. Now I'm completely guessing on this. I'm going off a of memory on all this from the, the water to the top of this boat. We're 50, 60 feet, maybe 70. This is a big, big thing. It's not a small thing. Huge. And the waves, when we dip down, you know, when you crash off of one wave and you dip down on the other, the next wave is at eye level with the windows outside of the seats. We are in very, very, very rough seas. I've been in rough seas before with a very panicked ship captain before. And this is very rough. And guys begin to get very, very seasick. And this is going to get gross. I'm sorry. I can't make this story any nicer. Guys begin to vomit. And obviously the early seasick guys were already sick. Now other guys are starting to vomit because the ocean's so much worse. And then the situation begins to compound on itself because the guys are running to the bathrooms in the middle to vomit. Well, now they can't stand up properly because the waves are so bad. And so they're missing the toilet with some of the vomit. And then the toilets all clog every one of them because there's so much vomit in them. Now, and if this sounds like the grossest thing you've ever seen, I'm not even kidding you. I'm getting, I'm getting a little grossed out just relaying the story. And gosh, Chris, this has to be, this has to be 20 years ago. This has to be two decades ago for me. The vomit's overflowing from the toilets. The vomit's now all over the floors, which are hard floors. So it's now with the waves swishing back and forth. The guys are now vomiting into the sinks. The sinks obviously are going to fill up and clog immediately, just like the toilets did. Now every bathroom, every sink on the boat is sloshing vomit around. Oh, I know what you're thinking, but what about the vomit bags? Oh, this is where it gets really, really good. We are at the point in time, I have, to, I have to tell you, only those who have no, no boat sickness, nothing whatsoever are not sick anymore. Well, I, I, we're probably, there are probably a thousand Marines on this boat. I would guess there are 50 of us who didn't get sick. And we're not sick at all because you have to understand, even if you're not boat sick by now, just the environment, just the smell, just the sights, the sounds is getting guys sick who don't get boat sick. So like the 50 of us, we crowd into the center of the boat just so we won't be around the sea of vomit and sick dudes all around us. It is an absolute, it's, 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 it's absolutely chaos. And we're sitting there at these tables with the bolted down chairs trying to play cards, even though we couldn't keep the cards on the table, only because we didn't want to look up and look around at what's happening all around us. The only time we would look up is we would look up to make fun of a buddy who was puking, and then we'd look back down. And the sinks are full. The toilets are full. So what they do is they scramble and they pull out a bunch of vomit bags. I think... In the, you know what, Chris? Make a note. 
In the future, when I tell bad stories like this, we're going to come up with better words to make the story better. I mean, less gross. Vomit is a horrible word. Vomit is not the word I should have been using from the beginning. We should have done something maybe even totally crude, like blow chunks or something like that, because it's less gross, isn't it? I understand that vomit is the appropriate word that's getting across what I want to get across. However, I have a nation of people listening to me right now vomiting themselves because the story's so gross. And, oh, it's about to get worse. They scramble because the toilets are overflowing, the sinks are overflowing, and they get vomit bags. I do not mean, I cannot stress this enough. We are not talking about your little airplane vomit bang that's like eight or nine inches long made for one person who loses it on a plane. You've, you know what I'm talking about, the vomit, the vomit bag in the, in the front seat of the plane. These are, again, I'm going off of memory here. These are three feet long, over two feet long. I know that for a fact, and they have this plastic top to them this round plastic top on the on the vomit bags they're high end round plastic top on the vomit bags so you can fill up the vomit bag or puke in it but then the plastic top is designed so you can twist it up and fold it down and seal it off they're they're, they're nice i mean they're nice high end boat vomit bags except for the fact there aren't enough of them And guys are handing full vomit bags back and forth, taking turns, puking in the same vomit bag. Remember the waves in the ocean. Guys are dropping them. Guys are spilling them on themselves it was the ugliest thing i think i have ever seen in my entire life and oh did we make fun of all of them and you had to be careful you know because it happened to a couple guys in the center where you're making fun of everyone else ha 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 i don't get seasick but then the sights and sounds make you have to go join them and you don't want to get sick so eventually we stopped getting cocky about it and we just we just we just bowed our heads and thanked God we weren't in that group and we just sat there and played cards. So when I tell you I don't get sick in that way, I do not get sick in that way. That friend of yours who's always vomiting, so he has too much to drink, you know, God bless him, that's probably a better way to do it. It's better not to have that much to drink at all, but it's probably a better way to do it because you get rid of that. That doesn't happen to me. I don't get nauseous. It just does not happen. The only time that ever happened was during that Habu Venom Saki thing in Japan, but we're not telling that story today, Chris. That's going to have to wait for another day because I think the audience is grossed out enough. I understand the Marine stories tend to be gross stories. There's nothing I can do about that. Those are the stories that stick out. Let's talk about something sunnier. Afghanistan to release to release 400 hardcore Taliban prisoners 
in a bid for peace. This is according to Reuters. You know, I used to call Reuters Reuters on the air because I didn't know how to talk it. I didn't know. I didn't know how to talk it. I didn't know how to pronounce it. And then we have all these smart aleck listeners who don't realize how sensitive I am. And they write me emails, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And they make fun of how I say words. I don't know how to say words, but either way. Donald Trump is reducing our troops, our troop numbers in Afghanistan. He is phasing it out. He is doing the right thing. 100% doing the right thing. But there's good and there's evil. There's right and there's wrong. And sometimes... There's just the world we live in and have to accept. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. How exposed is your information online? How much of your information is out there? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you're naive. I don't think you have a public profile with your home address, your online dating profile information, your gun records, all your previous addresses, things like that. I don't think you knowingly put all that information out there for all to see. But something like that may be happening with your information online. What I mean is there may be public records posted about you. You wouldn't paint your private information on your garage door, right? But you could be leaving a footprint everywhere you go when you're online. A lot of the things you do online, or maybe records you didn't even set up yourself, those records might be out there. And not only could they possibly be out there, others might be able to see them as well. It's more important than ever to find out what could be posted online about you. Go ahead and look up your name or anyone else's right now. Go to getthetruthnow.com. That's getthetruthnow.com. The world in which we live is going to get it's going to get yet another wake up call in Afghanistan. You got these 400 Taliban prisoners released, we don't know what to do. Here is the truth and I'm just going to give it to you right between the eyes. We are going to have to leave Afghanistan eventually. By the grace of God, should have left a long time ago, but we are going to have to leave. When we leave Afghanistan, the Taliban are going to take it over. When we leave, we are going to have lost that war, non-war. Not because of our dudes on the ground, but because of our useless political leadership and useless generals too. When we leave, the Taliban are taking over. And when they take over, it's going to be wrath of God type stuff they're going to do to their own people. And 
what's going to happen is it'll depend on who's president at the time according to how it's covered. If if it's Joe Biden as president and this happens, it'll be largely ignored, the atrocities that happen over there. But if there's a Republican president, when we're finally out of there and the Taliban take back over again, you are going to have to steal yourself. You are going to have to get yourself ready for what's coming. And here's what's coming. You are going to have wall-to-wall press coverage of every single horrific massacre. You're going to have before and after photos. You're going to have gory images of women, kids, in an effort to make whatever Republican pulled us out of there look bad. And it's going to be wall-to-wall coverage in our press. And in that moment... I know you don't care much about Afghanistan now. I'm not, that's the reason I don't talk about it much. I know you don't. It's easy to forget about that place. It's fine. But in that moment, it's going to be very easy to make the ultimate mistake. And that's that mistake is letting pictures and news coverage seduce you into thinking, somebody has to do something. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do about Afghanistan. There's nothing I can do about Afghanistan. There's nothing the United States of America can do about Afghanistan outside of something nobody has the willpower and frankly should have the willpower to do. And that's going full Genghis Khan and killing everybody. People don't like to hear that. But unless you are willing to storm into Afghanistan and kill every single man, woman, and child you see until everybody prostrates themselves in front of you and says, please, just do whatever you want to us. And I don't think you are, and I hope you're not. But unless you're willing to do that, you have to walk away. There's not going to be any peace agreement with the Taliban that they're going to honor. And you have to get this about that part of the world. It's hard because our minds work differently. My mind doesn't work like this. Yours probably doesn't either. The Western view of war and combat is much, much different than the Eastern view. They view combat over there as generational. You and I want to go to war and win a war and come home and let's have a parade and up, pretty girls, somebody give me a beer. That's the American way. That's the Western way. And we inherited that from from Europe. That is very much the Western European way. You know, we've talked about this before, chivalrous, let's have a battle or two. Oh, jolly good show, Johnny. Looks like you won here. You can have this territory. All right, well, you know what? Let's have dinner together tonight. Look, we don't need to drag this on here. In Afghanistan, these tribal leaders, they've flat out told our guys. They've flat out told guys that I know. I don't care that you're here. I mean, I want you gone, but you're going to be gone eventually. I don't even care if you're still here at the end of my lifetime. My son will just pick it up, and then his son will pick it up. Eventually, you're going to leave, and we'll be back to having our own thing. That's how they view it. 
And it is so difficult. We've had a million history stories and things like that about it. It is so difficult to wrap your mind around that mindset when it's not yours. In a lot of ways, it's similar to how people on the right deal with people on the left. And that we can't, we can't relate to their mindset. We don't know how, what, wait, what? You want to do what? You can't do, huh? Well, you, you see this all the time. People on the right will point out, and I'm sure I've done it too. I try not to do it a lot, but people on the right will point out the hypocrisy of the left. Look how hypocritical they are. They're saying this, but they did that. They know they're hypocritical. They don't care. It's hard for you and I to wrap our minds around that. Hang on. You need to get yourself an ebb sleep because, well, you need to sleep. Every single night you need to sleep. Every night, not once in a while. And I know this game you're playing where you lay down, you can't sleep. You lay down the next night, you can't sleep. Then the next night, then the next night. And finally, your body's so exhausted, it shuts down for 10 hours. And you wake up, feel great, and think, consider, and you think to yourself, well, I'm fine. I, I finally took care of it. That's fine. No, it is not. You never catch up on that sleep you missed. With an ebb sleep, it calms down those, those racing thoughts that keep you awake at night. It puts you asleep faster, and it keeps you asleep. You need to try this. You can try it risk-free for 60 days. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. That gets you 25 bucks off in a 60-day trial. Tryeb.com. Slash Jesse. Can be difficult to put yourself in the mind of your opponent. Can be uncomfortable. But it is necessary. It is necessary. If you missed... Any of the show today, you can catch the whole thing. Chris podcasts it all. He separates out the history segment. My TV show is also on iTunes as well, but that's also separated out. But either way, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes. Leave a five-star review after you subscribe and leave a comment talking about how handsome I am. It is critical for the future of the show. Shut up, Chris. It is. I'm thinking tomorrow. I'm thinking I have an idea for tomorrow's show. An idea. You may go south and it may go south quickly. Maybe it's a little dark. But still, Chris, it's time we have an uncomfortable conversation. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.